0: Hello, and welcome! If we must do this show, I want to pick a topic.
1: I'm Bartleby Nehi, and what are you talking about, Artemis? You picked the topic for the last four episodes! That's not true! I've done nothing of the slightest!
0: You've done slightly more than that. Four times. How have I selected any
1: topics? This is basically happening at me. We're the Kinetic Paranormal Society. A pair of socks in a magic wardrobe traveling through time and space investigating the supernatural. Happening at my expense would be more accurate. You're listening to Metacosmos. And yeah, Artemis, you've been picking the episodes themes for like like a month now. This is getting ridiculous. I think you should share a little bit of the floor. I don't even want to be doing this show.
0: There's no way I've been picking the topics.
1: Uh yeah, if you go looking over We did two Christmas episodes, because you're all about those 12 days. And you were doing
0: them not on the 12 days of Christmas accurate. Well, one of them was.
1: That's because the show is pre-recorded in advance for people, so they can get a really good episode. And, like, all the editing that they need to have, so they don't hear too much of our, uh, worst nonsense.
0: Oh, so you admit it.
1: Well, it's all edited out of the final version.
0: It's fine. Oh, this is a nightmare, is what it is. And you're telling me I'm the one. Picking the
1: topics of this nightmare. Well, you are. Like, like the last four episodes were pretty much shows that you wanted to do. You, like, wanted to do the AI episode for, like, a long time. And it's your idea that we do Star Trek episodes at all. So, that's on you. That's a randomly generated
0: episode. I don't have anything to do with picking those. Yeah, well, you do.
1: And when it really comes down to it, all of us picking a randomly generated episode on those special Metacosmos Star Trek crossover episodes, all of that is on you, Artemis. You. You created that. I don't want any of this. I
0: completely absolve myself of the process. If I'm creating it, I can stop doing
1: this. No, once you get the ball rolling down the hill, Artemis, it's still rolling. There's no way you can just throw yourself in front of that mass. So yeah, I get to pick this week's episode.
0: Oh. Goodness. Fine, what are we talking about this week,
1: Bartleby? Well, I was thinking that we should talk about monsters. Monsters?
0: Yeah. And are we talking about, like, the actual roar, roar, gnarling, gnashing teeth and claws monsters? Or the internal
1: landscape of our soul monsters? Well, it's funny you should mention that. Because. In a way, like, in this dimension, the one where our podcast happens, that dimension's the one where it's always the latter. That the internal monster is the entirety of monsters in this dimension. And that's a big part of what makes this dimension so cool, is because in this dimension, there's this idea of metaphoric meaning and these aspects of the larger self that are, like, metaphorical in their nature, like, almost strictly. And it makes it really cool and poetic to exist in this dimension where, like, the other dimensions where the monsters with the gnarling and gnashing teeth. Um, well, those dimensions are often in the imagination landscape, so I guess they're the same monsters.
0: Okay, well, I don't think you're helping anyone come to any form of better understanding. No, no, no. We're
1: doing better than that. We're helping everyone come to like I don't know if it's an understanding, let's call it an oversitting. You made that term up just now. So, let's oversit this really quick. Because we're going to talk about monsters in our imaginations, we're going to talk about monsters in in movies because movie monsters are a way that we can have a better understanding of like the human experience. Are you referring
0: to The horror movies, where they're allegorical for morality and and different ethics that the writer are trying to convey, like, for instance, when a couple goes sneaking off to go make out, then they're the first to be killed because the writer thought that was a bad ethical choice in them. And whoever was using, perhaps, the illicit drugs and alcohol, they might be the next one killed off in that manner.
1: Um, no... That that's kind of similar, except for I think ideally monsters are a lot less preachy than horror because the the idea of a horror movie, yeah, it's totally getting to allegorical morality, and the monster movie is really asking us to not examine, but you know, oversit this idea that is gonna be. Like, a part of your psyche. And, like, get a sense of what it's doing to you. And the monster movie is an examination of that. I'm not sure I catch what you're talking about. Okay, so, you got vampires. That's kind of allegorical for the society that's kind of sucking you dry. Oh, yes, isn't it? And then you got zombie movies. And zombie movies, kind of like, what they're getting at is the idea that, like, man... There's nothing worse than the public. If you've ever worked in customer service, then you know that, like, the mindless people coming in are really hard to deal with, and they like, dealing with zombies. But the psychological idea of looking at people and saying, there's a bunch of zombies, is actually a dehumanizing process where you're dehumanizing the people to justify your own actions, and what you don't realize when you do that is it's dehumanizing you Because what makes you human is your ability to be humane to the other humans. So when you dehumanize them, reverse humanity. Anyways, that's zombies. Uh Uh-huh. And Frankenstein. Frankenstein is like our fears about technology and our possibilities to go against what we might think be a natural way, like a person dying. But what if we put them back together like Frankenstein? And you get, like, a whole examination that Frankenstein's actually about these deeper aspects of our, like, Oh, are we going to do an episode about Frankenstein? No, actually, no. I was thinking that we're going to do an episode about Godzilla. Oh, is that why we went to see that movie? Yeah.
0: It was actually quite a good movie, but I don't know if we should be... This is a new movie, and I don't want to spoil it for listeners out there. You know, perhaps we could talk about a different
1: topic. Well, okay. I don't think we have to spoil a movie to talk about it just, like, a little bit because it was a really good movie. Godzilla Minus One. It's super cool. Well, it was a very fascinating film about quite deeper issues. Yes, because that's what monster movies are. They're about deeper issues. Like, the first Godzilla movie is about the nuclear bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And it, like, looks at what it means to be hit that hard by... A bomb and there's like a symbolism going on in that film
0: yes that's why it resonates so much for everyone the cold war made the nuclear bomb quite a topic and so the nervousness of the world must have felt that in the zeitgeist
1: yeah exactly and so like godzilla in that case was representing the bomb but like over time godzilla became an expanded universe you might say inside of the psyche of the world. And it turned into this phenomenon called kaiju. Ah, yes. The kaiju.
0: Ah, uh, do you know what that means by chance? Strange beast. Oh. Actually that's kind of underwhelming. Yeah, but
1: let's not worry about that because the kaiju were these creatures that usually come like out of the earth. They're emerging from volcanoes and from crevices from the sea, and and they represent this crater like, energy and destruction of the forces of nature that we can't control. And that's kind of become the kaiju territory for a while. And in, like, the newer Godzilla movies, Godzilla becomes, like, an anti-hero, saving the people from the other kaiju. Yes, that's... That, those stories
0: really are just kind of, I don't know, banal? Yeah, but, like, in a good, fun way. Well, I guess if people dressed up in rubber costumes is a fun way.
1: Yeah. So that was like Godzilla movies for a while. But Godzilla movies don't have to just be about that one energy of, like, nuclear bombs or forces of nature. They can also, like, have a deeper monster inside of us that we get to examine through them. Like, for instance, Shin Godzilla was about the Fukushima meltdown after the earthquake in 2001 on March 11th. There was a big earthquake and it shook up the nuclear power plant on the coast. And that was a bad thing to put a nuclear power plant on a coastline because then it had a meltdown. And the Japanese government was like, oh, what are we going to do? Bureaucracy is not really moving very quick on this. So they made a movie about that. And Godzilla represented that because he was just slowly moving across the land as the government didn't know what to do. So... That was way another use of Godzilla. But this one, Minus One, was maybe, like, one of the coolest ones yet. What do you think was the monster
0: in Godzilla Minus One? It was Godzilla, right? No, I mean, what do you think the monster represented in Godzilla Minus One?
1: Oh, what Godzilla... Rep- okay, in this one, Godzilla still is, like, force of nature and, like, stuff like that. But there's a deeper theme because, like, most of the movie is a period piece set right after World War II, and it's about the people coming to terms with their own feelings in the post-war climate and a lot of grief and stuff like that, but also survivor's guilt. Oh, yes. Because, okay, this is not a big spoiler because it's like the first shot of the whole movie, and it's like said in the first, like maybe five minutes of the movie, this is all laid out. So I'm not spoiling anything except for the first five minutes. So, go la-la-la and plug your ears if, like, for like just a couple of seconds if you need to, like, not have this spoiled. So, the first shot of the movie is a plane, and it's going towards a really beat-up runway on an island. And strapped to the bottom of the plane is a super big bomb. So, you can tell that this is a kamikaze plane, but it's landing. And kamikaze planes usually don't do that. No, they're not known for that, are they? No, no. And so then he's like, oh, no, my plane was broken because he didn't want to die blowing himself up. And they even made a a mention of, like, that, like, wow, dude, you landed on that beat up runway. You're like one of the best pilots. And, like, the Japanese government wasn't going to send this guy to go blow himself up. He's one of their best pilots. And they're like, go blow yourself up. And that kind of, I think, starts to allude to the larger themes of the movie right there. Oh. Yes. Yes.
0: Indeed. The monster in this film is that higher-up powers that throw us into the cannon fodders of war and how the people who have to live their lives in repercussion of that war are not just there to be burnt and spent in a political game.
1: Yeah, that's, um, I think a little bit more
0: elaborated version of
1: it that, I don't know, they, they always hit those notes in the political game.
0: But it was about the people. The government wouldn't get involved in the fighting of this Godzilla. For complicated reasons. Yeah, okay, let's just say that so we don't have to bring up spoilers. Exactly, that's why I'm staying so vague altogether.
1: Yeah, so, like, the Godzilla movie in this particular case is, like, bringing to an actualization a reflection of, like, what war means, what it meant for, like, the Japanese government to have gotten that reputation for, like, throwing their soldiers to the death where they're going to like, oh man, we had to drop the bomb is what the U.S. government told itself after they dropped the bomb. Because they were like, because the Japanese people were going to fight, fight, fight to their deaths. But the Japanese people maybe weren't as enthusiastic to fight to their deaths as the Japanese government was to have them do it for them. Because it was pretty embarrassing for the Japanese government to admit that all the fighting was going to be for a big loss. And and then they got nuked. And then we make a movies and that's why we're talking about it now so yeah that is like the monster at the core of this movie is this idea that people have towards fighting for something that they're actually not a part of and winning any part of and just being used in that way and then the remorse that comes from that and what it means to go on living in the light of such shame
0: wow With no spoilers, very good. Thank you? That was impressive. Yeah. But you know, there's another monster in the room. Is there? Yes. For you see, Godzilla minus one was a monster for Hollywood.
1: Oh, what? I think I saw a bunch of headlines in the YouTubes about this. There were videos that, hold on. Okay, yeah, here we go. Videos named, like, Why Godzilla minus one destroys modern Hollywood and... Godzilla minus one nuked Hollywood and Godzilla minus one proves that Hollywood is stupid and awful. And another one goes, why minus one succeeded where Hollywood failed? Did Godzilla come onto the land and start stomping on Hollywood? I missed that part. No,
0: no. I don't know if you realize it, but this movie was made for only like $15 million as the rumors. The director even said, I wish I had that much money. So it's not that expensive of a movie. I really hope that wasn't because of the crunch time they put on the artists. I don't think there's that much crunch time you could put on artists to bring a movie down to that price. Like, I don't know if people know,
1: but like a lot of like animation and a lot of video games have a lot of pressures put on the creatives to make deadlines at ridiculous paces, and it's totally not fair. Oh, so this is a good point. Now,
0: I can't say how much crunch time was used, but I doubt that they got their full $15 million savings from crunch time, you realize very many Hollywood films are being made at upwards of $150 million, $200 million. That's why they all have to be blockbusters. This is something that, that Hollywood's done to itself. So wait,
1: wait, wait. Hollywood made blockbusters? And wait, is the blockbuster the Godzilla in your Godzilla hypothetical?
0: I think, yes. essentially. Hollywood's blockbuster films. So yeah, yeah. The Godzilla
1: of your scenario is the blockbuster film. I don't know if that's how this works. In this, this isn't a one-to-one metaphor. But how is Godzilla going and destroying Hollywood? Like, it said in one of these headlines that it nuked Hollywood.
0: No, Hollywood has not been nuked. I mean to say, Hollywood is financially nuking itself with these big-budget blockbusters. You see, they saw the big money of movies like Jaws and then Star Wars and have ever since been chasing that dragon, so to speak, and been trying to have these giant returns on investments. And they just keep spending bigger and bigger money, assuming that that bigger spending will create bigger blockbusters. But Godzilla Minus One comes in and shows us for a modest budget and maybe crunch time. We don't know. But like it's pretty common in the industry right now, you don't have to just crunch your artists when the creator knows what they're creating. Wait, what do you mean? Well, a lot of movies these days are made by focus groups. The focus groups are then shown parts of the film and asked questions about what they think would be best, and then the movies aim to make as many people happy as possible, so that way they can get as many people in to see the movie as much as possible, and it can be a wide, broad appeal film and create the blockbuster phenomenon. But that. Is for its own goods and purposes, is it's kind of a bane on the movie making process. Because then there's no final decision of what the story is going to be, what the themes of the film will be. Will those themes be executed well? And if they aren't executed well, are they speaking to an experience that we have? Or are we putting our own experiences on the film and interpreting it through something because we just need some emotional support and it got close enough to the themes in our own psyche? But are those themes in our own psyche really
1: being expressed in this film that was made by committee? Well, the psyche is a pretty vague place with lots of dreamscapes, so sometimes maybe the committee film really makes people resonate. Like, some people really like The Last Jedi.
0: Don't get me started on Star Wars right now. There's only three films, a Christmas special that we don't like to talk about, and two Ewok films.
1: I thought you were over this. We worked it out a long time ago. Moving
0: on. Yes fine. But the point I'm trying to get at is when they create these films where they don't know what they're going with it, they're trying to make it as they go and refocus the group through the focus committee's feedback, then what they end up doing is that they don't have a shot list before going into the film that they can then give to the special effects department so they can then pre-work on these shots and work out the blocking, and then send the information back to the filmmakers so the filmmakers can best figure out how to film the movie that will then fit into the special effects that are being provided for them and to integrate it, and this is all done on a reasonable scale where the special effects artists, when they make their initial bid, know what they're getting into, and know what the investment they're making is going to be turning out for them. And instead, there's this process of redo the shot Do it again, the shots don't look as good, and sometimes, even when they do, the company is put out of business. The movie company? No, the special effects company is put out of business, even when sometimes Academy Awards for best special effects. Look at the movie, The Life of Pi. Oh yeah, that was really sad. Exactly. And this is a dismal state, and I think we can extrapolate and see how, once again, this is happening in Hollywood but we can see how these very same tendencies happen throughout the larger economy in every industry. how do
1: we see that?
0: In the way that technologies, new boons and advancements that should make things easier for everyone, instead of making things easier for everyone, make profits larger for a very few, while at the same time destroying the lives of the very people using those technologies.
1: Oh man. Yeah, that's really true. Yes. Could you imagine a world
0: where we get all of these advancements in computer graphics and instead of saying, oh good, now that we we have these new toys of computer graphics that can make anything happen at remarkable speeds, we're going to crack a whip on these artists and force them to make these absolutely, as I said, banal films that have nothing to say except for pew pew pew, blau kablooey, The hero saved the day.
1: There's nothing wrong with heroes saving the day.
0: Well, if there's no real meaning given to the characters beforehand, for instance, in the Godzilla films where four minus one, many times the humans are just there to give exposition and to act as a plot device. And many times, not in monster movies, not in giant kaiju films, in special effects ridden superhero affair and whatnot you will then see these people who just simply are there to explain what these spectacles they're seeing are and no one really invests in the characters emotionally and that's just not going to deliver the potential that an art like filmmaking can deliver
1: in the storytelling arena okay yeah you got a really good point there Godzilla minus one is also about the advancements of technology as they like grind down on humanity. I don't know if you can see that in the film though. I think you have to Oh wait. Artemis? What? Do you think this episode of Metacosmos is a Godzilla film? And in this Godzilla film, the Godzilla monster is a representation of that neglect of the economy of the rich as they, wait a minute, that is the same meaning of Godzilla minus one when the people sent them into war and were like, oh, just go kill yourselves in the war. Yeah, I, hold on. I think we just nailed on the same meaning again. Yeah, never mind.
0: Ah, <sighs> Bartleby, once again, doing this show with you has been an absolute nightmare. No! We've had a really good time. That was a good movie, and
1: we, like, broke it down on new levels. I didn't want to do this episode at all. And yet you hijacked it and turned it in another one of your economics episodes. That's not what happened. Yeah, that's what happened, so that's five episodes in a row for you, Artemis. And he says he doesn't want to do this show. Anyways, thanks a lot, everybody. I'm Bartleby Nehigh, and you guys are so incredibly amazing. Because no matter how beautiful you are on the outside, real beauty is determined by what's on the inside. And the fact that you take time to listen to this show, I think, says you're gorgeous. Like, wow, what a hottie. So, yeah, tell all your other hottie friends about us because cosmos is here for your listening pleasure and is made possible through spreading that rumor and also going on to, like, whatever kind of platform you can rate it on. And, like, five stars, thumbs up, like, whatever the, the biggest form of upward rating you can find, reach for those stars for Metacosmos because this is cosmic humor. You just can't find anywhere else, I think. And so, yeah, get on that. And also, of course, Metacosmos is made possible patrons at patreon.com slash bluefoot you can become one because that's an awesome way to say wow thank you isaac bluefoot he's the producer of this show and he does a lot of work to make it possible so all thanks to him you can also check out kinetic it's our website and it's awesome and that's something that Isaac makes for us, too. And you can find all the podcasts he produces for us. There's a whole family of Kinetic Paranormal Society podcasts, of which Metacosmos is just one little star in that constellation. And you should also check out his other podcast, Superman, Son of El. It's the unauthorized biography of Clark Kent, and it's super duper cool. And you're going to love it. I just know it because it's got this, like, wholesomeness to it. And he just tells the story
0: but he does the voices
1: when he when he reads you the book. And that's really fun. Everyone loves it when you get the voices done for you when a book gets read to you. So, yeah, you can check that out at sonoflpodcast.com or just look up Superman, son of L, E-L are those letters. And you do that and you'll find Superman, son of L. And so, also, additional support from MetaCosmos comes from Humboldt Hot Air, humboldthotair.org. And you can listen to so many things live streamed to you from Humboldt. One of the best places you could ever want to listen to something from. Because I love Humble. It's wonderful. And so, yeah, you guys are great. Thanks so much. And Artemis, what's wrong? You got real quiet.
0: I am reflecting on the decimation that this proverbial Godzilla in our episode has wrecked havoc through my entire morning. Yeah, awesome.
1: So you guys are great. I really appreciate you. So, so uh, let's do this again next week. Bye. I love you.
0: I really don't think I'm picking these episodes, Bartleby. No, you're totally picking them. Like,
1: this is this is all you. You're, like, creating the show at this point. You are Metacosmos. Oh, why can't
0: I make it stop?
1: Is it like a dream you can't wake up from?
0: Some sort of nightmare, yes.